Hello, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Crash, Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd and creative wizard. This is episode 379, recorded on Monday the 19th of April 2021. And the time at the beginning of the show is... is... oh yeah, there it is. 230329. Yes, I started three and a half minutes late. Although saying that I haven't been around for a while, so it's amazing that I'm even here. But the reason I'm a couple of minutes late tonight is that somehow the time got away from me while I was fiddling with the mic. I'll tell you all about the mic problems I've been having, or rather the things I tried to make my sound sound better, and then went back to how it was before, and then not quite how it was before, because I changed all the settings on my mixer, and, uh, you know, that's a lot of stuff. And no, I have not been on holiday. I have been, well, you've heard all the fancy medical terms, but let's just say sulking, that's a nice way of saying it. Not just about Crash, this podcast, but about everything in general. At this stage, I would modestly say, well, I'm not the only one, am I? Everyone's doing that. But no, I won't do that this time. I definitely feel a lot worse. It's not just about Crash, though it hasn't helped that the podcast audience participation has been at an all-time low. I also don't think that the listener figures can be that great, although... Since I've moved to hosting my files on archive.org, I wouldn't really know because I barely have any podcast statistics. So that's a way of reducing the stress of producing a podcast. Move to a host where you don't get any stats. Or at least I don't think you do. I'm not sure if Apple's Podcast Connect stats work if you host on archive.org. I can't imagine why they would not. Because doesn't it work for Apple devices that the episodes are listened to on? I digress. While all this sulking (laughs) won't stop me podcasting because I enjoy doing it, my motivation definitely has suffered. So if you want more of these regularly, you need to do something. You need to tell me that you like it and or... Send me a couple of tips, as in cash, not advice. Although, if you have any advice for improving sound on a budget, let me know. But I've got to say, I already do some things like moving nearer the sound source, because I'm in an untreated room and I've got traffic not so far away. I am, again, digressing. That's enough for now. Let's actually start the show. And on to culture. I have an erratum, (laughs) that is a confession of my mistake, regarding The White Tiger, the movie. Don't worry, there is quite a lot of geek in this episode, but let's start with that. Back in episode 378, regarding the film The White Tiger, I said, this movie simplifies the protagonist's life into only being about caste, when it's about caste, but it's also about money, rural corruption, and an unsympathetic sociopathic protagonist. 
What I should have said is this movie simplifies the protagonist's life into being mostly about caste. When it's about caste, but it's also about money, rural corruption, and an unsympathetic sociopathic protagonist. What I'm saying is money, rural corruption, and an unsympathetic sociopathic protagonist are topics that are definitely covered in this movie, even though I said the complete opposite. Why did I do that? I hated the film so much because, in retrospect, it seems like yet another cliched hatchet job on the entirety of Indian culture, and that mangled my critical thinking. What I'm saying is emotions got the better of me. So there you are. I have apologised for my total cock-up of what I meant to say. I said the exact opposite, which is the sort of crap that happens when you do a solo podcast. Oh, and by the way, if you want a more accurate and disturbing look at the cast, you can watch the BBC documentary entitled Hindus, colon, Do We Have a Cast Problem? If, on the other hand, you want a very funny take on cast, albeit with a mostly white cast, of actors, that is, oh, that got a bit confusing, see Deep Space Nine, episode 89, entitled Ascension. There is a scene in DS9 involving Kira and Art that reminds me of an interview in the Do We Have a Cast Problem BBC documentary in which a person of the Carpenter cast tries to keep up with their skills, even though they no longer do that stuff. I think they do it in the documentary for the sake of knowing about their culture rather than wanting to be a carpenter, but it does make me laugh. Maybe I should start presiding at weddings. <laughs> Let's move on to some proper geekly genre science fiction and this week, the big thing that I wanted to talk about was Godzilla vs. King Kong. In this film, we have things featured like a Scooby-Doo van, paranoid podcasters, you're welcome, and every kid with a computer is pirating movies rather than learning to be effective hackers. Which is both deeply patronising and condescending, and also has an echo of truth. Or, perhaps, is a passive-aggressive comment by the filmmakers. And just, you wait for the deeply cliched Deep Blue Sea moment. Deep Blue Sea, 1989, Samuel L. Jackson, need I say more? No, you're a geek, you know what I'm talking about. In Godzilla vs. King Kong, the conspiracy theorists are right. The Earth is, in fact, actually hollow. There is also a very kingly King Kong, Godzilla, of course, and Mecha Godzilla, telepathically controlled by King Ghidorah's shiny white and very dead skulls. In summary, it's all the post-Gojira 
from 1954, 60s and 70s craziness when the people at Toho Studios must have either smoked insane amounts of weed or just realised they had a mega franchise opportunity and wanted to appeal to a wider audience. Godzilla vs. King Kong makes no sense at all. The science is non-existent. There is zero logic, not even internal logic, which is unfortunate as I at least try to manage internal consistency in the fiction that I write myself, even if the premise is balmy. But Godzilla vs. King Kong is entertaining and you will feel something for the monsters, which is the important part. And onto that very thing, King Kong alone in that big hall made me feel terribly sad. My inner orchestra bonged away to Edvard Grieg's In the Hall of the Mountain King from Peer Gint Suite Number 1, and I also imagined poor old Conan the Barbarian. There was actual thick pathos. The pathos was dense. And unbelievably, also look out for some blink-and-you'll-miss-it Robocop-like genuine social commentary about the military-industrial complex, racism, and surveillance. That isn't to say I like everything about King Kong vs. Godzilla. For example, the most likeable and I think best characters are the Scooby team, consisting of the mad podcaster played by Brian Tyree Henry, Millie Bobby Brown, and Julian Dennison, his two young companions. Those three don't even make it to the hollow earth in the main part of the plot. The other thing that I found puzzling is the timing of this release. After being in lockdown hell for months, and it seems to be going on forever and ever and ever. King Kong vs. Godzilla is the summer blockbuster we deserve, so why did they release it in spring? Did they know it was a little bit rubbish and they weren't confident about its success, so they wanted to preempt the summer blockbusters? Not that we'll even be going to cinemas, so I don't know really what's going on. In conclusion, this film is totally and completely bonkers. Literally, nothing makes sense. The dialogue is creaky, but the point is it's really only about being a puny human as us, the audience, and the cast bearing witness to watching very well-designed and rendered titans fight. So I watch them fight, then I watch them fight again a day later on Friday night. Yes, I watched this film twice and I might watch it again. My recommendation is you do the same, put your brain on hold and watch this and really enjoy it. Let's just go back to what I just said about well-designed and rendered Titans. Yes, they look really great. The creature design in every succeeding movie gets better. We certainly don't have the flabby Godzilla of... Godzilla 2014. He's lean, mean, aggressive, reptilian. Absolutely brilliant. 
since I have watched the last movie and now talked about it, you may be thinking, if you're a long-time listener, aren't I being a little hypocritical? Because I have heavily criticised Godzilla 2014, but what I've come to realise over the course of these movies is that the films aren't about people or terrible dialogue. They are about monsters, and monsters like Godzilla and Kong are empowering. What I'm saying is that the movies, the fantasy of every man with a bad case of small man syndrome, (coughs) have helped me through a bout of feeling powerless, and have also made me revisit the previous movies. I went for a marathon rewatching after the latest Godzilla vs. King Kong of watching Godzilla 2014, Godzilla King of the Monsters, and I'm going back to watch Kong Skull Island from 2017 as well. My main criticism is, why the hell did they kill Mothra in Godzilla King of the Monsters 2019? Because of that, it means there is no Queen of the Monsters in this film. What have they done? And, by the way, you have not lived until you've seen or heard, okay, this is a podcast, my impression slash foley creation of classic Toho Mothra, or, for that fact, any of the kaiju. And you will hear it. You will hear it very soon. In fact, let's hear it now. And just a little information about that, if you're wondering what the flapping wings were, that was thanks to a hand towel and possibly the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. (laughs) Okay, moving on to something else. We've talked about kaiju for long enough. Oh, okay. Sorry, you have to bear with me tonight. I'm a little out of sorts trying to get back into podcasting for maybe the millionth time. Going off in a half and then coming back. Also, I've moved my mic position and I'm finding it a little hard to see the screen. I definitely need new glasses. Okay. Let's move on to a few short news items and keep going. Deadline report that Christopher Pike's Vampire Horror, The Season of Passage, will be adapted into a universal film. Deadline also reports that Tomorrow War's director, Chris McKay, will direct Renfill, which is about Dracula's creepy servant-slash-slave. Oh, wasn't he played by Tom Waits in... The Keanu Reeves and Gary Oldman Dracula? Man, was that Tom Waits? (laughs) And, oh yeah, by the way, I mentioned Tomorrow War. That's an upcoming sci-fi movie. I did look it up because I knew nothing about it. Yeah, an upcoming military sci-fi movie. More news, and that is to do with Indiana Jones 5. There is no title for that movie yet. Tom's Guide reports 
that the release date for Indiana Jones 5 will be July the 29th, 2022. There was also some casting news that mentioned that Phoebe Waller-Bridge of Fleabag and Solo and Killing Eve, as well as Mads Mikkelsen, would be joining Harrison Ford. And here's some more Christopher Pike news. By the way, I keep mentioning Christopher Pike. He is a cult young adult horror author, definitely a superior author. I enjoy his work. And this extra piece of news is that his novel The Midnight Club will also be adapted as a Netflix series. And let me tell you, I have read The Midnight Club. It is excellent, but it is extremely emotionally heavy. So I'm just warning you in advance, it's not what you think it is. Oh, and by the way, Christopher Pike is big all around the world, but he is also big in really strange and niche communities, like, for example, Mauritius, who's big with teens, but then Mills and Boone is also big with teens, or it was about 10, 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago. The point is, though, that is an amazing compliment for a non-Hindu author who incorporates a lot of Eastern philosophy in his fiction, because Mauritius has a predominantly Hindu population, though not exclusively, of course. We have Muslims and Christians as well. But yeah, it's a population that is very familiar with Eastern stuff. So for a Western author to be found to be credible in a place like Mauritius is a compliment. That's what I'm getting to. Whew. Moving on to Happily. This is a 2021 movie. It is a trippy, mystical sci-fi thriller about a couple who are still head over heels in love after 14 excruciating, sorry, 14 lovely years of marriage. Their friends hate them, and then something really weird happens. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm not going to spoil this. I saw Echoes of the Box, and it gave me a sense of those old Golden Age strange sci-fi yarns, reminiscent of perhaps an episode of The Twilight Zone, although more in the form of a Robert Heinlein short story like one of my favourite stories of all time, He Built a Crooked House from 1941. Happily, it is enjoyable and weird, although now that I've mentioned He Built a Crooked House from 1941, that's even better. Go and read it. It's a short story. It's freely available just about anywhere on the internet. It is amazing and funny. And I've talked about it several times before. It is a masterful short story. And it's light and comedic. Okay, next. I'm going to diverge from the path of nerddom to the strange and terrifying woods of the mundane and talk about some vanilla fiction. Back to life. This is a BBC comedy about an ex-con trying to integrate into her old town. 
It stars and is co-written by Uncle's Daisy Haggard. It also stars Adil Akhtar, who I always imagine as an actor ideally suited to be cast as Horace, the protagonist of my novel, The Horace Box, if it was ever adapted for screen, and if more people actually buy it. Hint, hint. Back to Life is a light, quirky, short series with a bit of drama thrown in. Moving back to the safe waters, we're sailing back to the safe waters. My hand, although you can't see this because this is, of course, audio, is waggling like the tail of Godzilla. Where was I? Oh, yeah, Creepshow. I talked about Creepshow back in 2019. Go and listen to show 288. And I'm revisiting it briefly to recap before launching into season two. Why am I doing this? Look, I saw a trailer for season two and they had me at a support group for werewolves. Werewolves? Werewolves. Write in if you get that reference. Come on, it's so easy. So easy. Okay, on to Invincible. Invincible is a 2021 adaptation of Robert Kirkman's You'd Think I'd Had Enough of This Guy By Now, Walking Dead, comic book. Because I have read volume one of the collected edition, it was available in our local library, I was initially reluctant to dive into this because I know that despite the initial Superman slash Spider-Man vibe, things get dark and nasty quickly. But eventually, a desperate need on my behalf to shuck reality impinged, and I started watching it, and it is great. It is as dark as I thought it would be, but they do a proper animation adaptation, They definitely do not do a thoughtless, boring comic-to-screen hack job. The filmmakers use the full medium of animation exceedingly effectively, and the editing, particularly leading up to the title sequence, is superb. And also superb is the voice acting, and it's also nice to see, or rather hear, Stephen Yuan, The Walking Dead's Glenn, in a starring role as the titular superhero. I know, it's really immature of me, but every time I say titular, I giggle. I'm terribly sorry. I just had uh, another couple of animation shout-outs that I wanted to mention, because, amazingly, I don't seem to have said anything about them before. I'm sure that can't be right. I did a text string search on past shows, but I couldn't find anything. Forgive me if I've already mentioned these two things before. From Samurai Jack's creator, Gendy Tartakovsky, is Primal. Primal is about a caveman and tyrannosaur who team up and seek vengeance for the slaying of their families. Primal and also Samurai Jack, by the way, is still available on Channel 4 in the UK's All 4 app. On BBC iPlayer? 
is an extremely adult and very funny talking animal animated comedy called Tales from the Serengeti. Again, highly recommended. Incredibly rude. Definitely not safe for work. (laughs) But very funny. And that's Tales from the Serengeti. If you're into Adult Swim-like stuff, you'll like this. And that is it for things to watch. Let's move on to things to play and talk about ExoDOS. After listening to YouTuber Get Off My Lawn, by the way, there's two of them. This is the guy with an Irish accent who was talking about the ExoDOS project, which is a project to preserve all MS-DOS games. I decided to try it out. Again, this is one of those things I feel that I've done before and perhaps talked about but not mentioned in the show notes. So again, if, like, I don't know, five years ago I talked about this and I'm doing it again, I apologise. The full version of ExoDOS is about half a terabyte. Yes, it's big and consists of 7,000-plus MS-DOS games. I tried the Lite version, Exodos Lite, which weighs in at a mere 100 gigabytes plus. It saves space by downloading games on demand and also doesn't contain some extra content. Let me tell you, downloading this thing via a torrent hammered my uTorrent app so I had to adjust the cache settings. You may have to do that too. Then installation of the Windows-only package took ages and ages and ages, and then I couldn't start the program. If you don't want the enormous download and long, long installation process, you can play all of the games at the Internet Archive through your browser, which is what I did after those problems. However, I should point out when I tried games like Doom, you'll need a very speedy connection, and even my fast connection took a beating, and the game was seasick laggy. Other than that, I am extremely impressed by the Exodos project, so hats off to the dedicated and hard-working Exodos creators, who are doing an amazing job of digital preservation, and have been doing that for the last 12 years, which is three years longer than my own podcast. Amazing. I keep promising to do Let's Plays on YouTube and Twitch, but my hardware sucks. If you saw my very last live-action filming of myself, which is very laggy, and in which I did a mini YouTube rant, you'll know exactly what I mean, but I'm working on it. If you're interested in see me playing games, let me know, because while I like DOS games, investing more time and money putting together vids that no one actually watches will not motivate me. See, we're circling back to the beginning of the show. You've seen the struggles I've had with this podcasting malarkey over the last few years, and... I don't want to repeat that experience in video. Although, saying that, it does appear to be easier to get views on YouTube than it is to get listeners for a podcast. And on the subject of the trials and tribulations of podcasting, let us talk about 
what I'm calling the great studio upgrade, what I should be calling the great and dismal studio upgrade. Because it didn't happen. No, it's not a money thing. I did go out and buy a DBX286S and a new mic stand, and it is a total waste of time. The Koenig and Mayer mic stand was excellent, but not quite the right dimension, so that's my fault. The DBX286S worked exactly as it should, but did not substantially improve my sound. It certainly was not UK pounds worth of improvement. I should actually say what the DBX286S is. It's a preamp and channel strip. What it allows you to do is plug your mic into it between your mic and the mixer or your audio interface and then have some control over things like noise rejection and de-essing, which is getting rid of S's in your speech, of which I have quite a few. It is useful. It would have been useful probably when I started podcasting. Now, not so much. You see, I already have a quiet mixer, and I've also learned that there is no substitution for learning to use the mic like the musical instrument it is, and also having good audio editing skills. If I had this at the beginning, it would have saved me a lot of trouble, but now it's barely doing a thing. And it also changes the sound somewhat. It's not bad, but it's different from what you're hearing right now. Oh, and by the way, I live in the UK, as you can probably tell from my accent, And I bought the DBX286S from Thoman in Germany, where I have an account. And a lot of people who buy music stuff and podcasting stuff have accounts with Thoman. And Brexit was, of course, a giant concern for us. I was worried that now that we're in a post-Brexit situation... Things would be difficult ordering on Toman, but in actuality, the ordering and delivery process was smooth and not appreciably more expensive, so that was nice. However, like I said, I didn't keep this piece of equipment, and the return process required multiple printouts, and the return mailing label didn't scale, which meant multiple copies and then tearing them up until I actually had to rescale the thing in PaintShop Pro. Then there were the instructions from Toman, which said I should contact the local customs authority. What the hell's that? Is that HMRC? I haven't any idea. I still have no idea. So I called UPS, which were the courier firm printed on the return mailing label, prepaid. But after waiting in a queue for (laughs) about an hour, I gave up. In the end, I went directly to the local UPS access point, which was a local shop with my parcel and the documents Toman had sent me. Not so great. I have now found out that in order to return a parcel to Toman, and probably a lot of European businesses, 
you will need 13 pieces of paper, including the single return mailing label to stick on top. 13 pieces of paper. So that's the label on top. Then there's three forms in triplicate that go into a packet on top of the parcel and a copy of those three forms inside as well. 13 pieces of paper. I'm only a private customer, but imagine the fun this must be if you're a UK exporter. And indeed, a recent Guardian article described the situation as a nightmare. And I can't help putting the boot in yet another parting shot at Brexit and Brexiteers. Yahoo News reports that 440 financial services companies left London for the EU, taking with them £900 billion of their business. Ah, good old Brexit. And on that wonderfully cheery note, (laughs) ah, the show that you have just tolerated is made by me, Roy Martha, a writer. Martha is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. Yes, I still feel the need to spell it out. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMartha.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform. Although Apple Podcasts is a good platform to review this pod on. Recommend it to a friend or mortal enemy or click on the contact or support link on the website and maybe tip me a couple of bucks or pounds or Altarian dollars or UK dollar pounds or... I'm stuck in a loop here. Help, help. Okay, move on, move on. Leave that bit. And that is it. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show Crash, the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd and creative wizard. This was episode 379, recorded on Monday, the 19th of April, 2021, and the time at the end of the show is 23.54.58. I am extremely croaky now, so thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye. And yes, the talons of Wang Chiang is next. Bye. Again. Bye. Just stop it. Bye.